Hey, as we're wrapping up our Under Pressure series, let me read this for you, and then we're going to talk about it. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, probably pretty familiar. You've either heard this before, seen it before, maybe even heard me mention it before. Here's something Jesus said that's relatively famous. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are, say the word with me, are weary, weary, tired, exhausted, depleted, done, can't do anymore. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find, there it is again, rest for your souls. My yoke, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. What's interesting here is Jesus is calling out two ends of the spectrum in regards to being under pressure. You have the tired, the weary, the exhausted, those that need a break. And then you have the other side that are carrying heavy burdens, weighed down, almost to the point of being crushed. They're almost to the breaking point I'm about to break. And he calls both out and says, come to me, I'll give you rest. And he doesn't just leave it there at rest for us to make our own assumptions and give our own description and definition of rest. He actually tells us, here's what my rest looks like. So come to me, all of you who are weary, tired. Come to me, all of you that are carrying too much of a weight, carrying too many burdens. I'll give you rest, and here's what my rest looks like. He says, my burden is light, not non-existent. Mine is light. The yoke I'll put on you, you know, the things that oxen carry that directs them, mine's easy to bear. It's manageable. See, up until this point, the Pharisees, the teachers of the religious uh, community, the religious leaders, had put all of these laws and all of these regulations on all these people, over 600 spiritual, religious, ritualistic laws and regulations. Of course, they were getting crushed underneath of, I can't measure up, I can't do anything right. So Jesus comes in and says, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're caring too much, come to me. Let me give you rest. Here's another way to think through it, because we've been talking a lot about the extremes of pressure. We've said there's good pressure, there's bad pressure, there's pressure that's healthy, there's pressure that's helpful, and then the opposite of that. By the way, if you struggle with anxiety, don't worry, I'm not going to pop the balloon, or am I? Just kidding. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. So we've talked about the two extremes of pressures, right? One of them mainly being that the pressure just crushes you. Right, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians, that hard pressed on every side. And when you have that much pressure pressing in on you, you cannot move. You are paralyzed. You are immobilized. You cannot do anything under that kind of pressure. You cannot move. You're stuck. And oftentimes, that's where we find ourselves, and that's when we get to that breaking point of, I can't do this anymore. So then we think the answer is, well, get rid of all the pressure, God. If, if I'm being crushed to, the, crushed to the point of all this pressure, I can't move, then let's just not have any pressures at all. Let me just do whatever I want. No responsibilities, no problem. I don't have to think and worry about anything. Without any pressures, we just float on up and we just kind of do whatever we want when we want to do it. Neither one of those are healthy. Being completely crushed under the pressure to the point of being broken and paralyzed isn't healthy. And then no pressure at all. Neither one of those allow you to move. One, you're crushed and can't move. This one, you just move with the wind and wherever it takes you is where you end up. Both are not healthy ways to deal with pressure. So there's this middle ground, kind of like Goldilocks. Not too much, not too little, but just 
right, so you need to read Goldilocks again. Yeah, you know the middle, yeah. Not too hot, not too cold, but just right. So not too little pressure, not too much pressure, but just right. This is what rest looks like with Jesus. When he says, come to me, all of you who are weary, tired, heavy, burdened, carrying more burdens than you should. He says, come to me because I'm going to give you rest. My burden is still there. It's not non-existent. My pressures are still there. He said, but it's manageable. I'm gentle at heart. Let me teach you. And here's what happens, because the right amount of pressure and the right pressures is actually a good thing. At this moment, with the right amount of pressure, you can actually be directed and you can be moved and you can be taken different places, can't you? Isn't that what Jesus wants for our life? For him to say, no, no, I'm not trying to get you to crush and I don't want you just floating around in the wind. No, I want to direct you. I want to lead you. And yes, it's going to require some burdens. And yes, it's going to require some pressures. But if we allow Jesus to be the one to do that, he's the one that actually leads and guides us. That's what rest looks like according to Jesus. That's what Jesus' burdens and the pressures that he gives us, good ones, are actually there to move us forward. The right pressures do just that. They keep you moving forward. The wrong pressures are what crushes you or just has you floating in the wind ever which way. But the right pressures that come from him actually move us with purpose and intentionality to where he wants us to be and who he desires us to become. So if the right pressures at the right amount of pressure keeps us moving forward, there's a flip side to it about the burdens Let me tell you, there are some burdens you were not built for. Those burdens that are crushing to you where you can't move, can I suggest you might not be able, maybe you shouldn't even be underneath those pressures and you shouldn't even be touching those burdens. Those are not your burdens to carry. So my physique is pretty uh, obvious. I know I'm a short, small individual, but I have such a big heart So when I go into the gym every now and then, and I look around all these other super fit individuals that are lifting an inordinate amount of weight, and I I look at them and I say, well, I can surely do that. Doesn't end well, does it? No, my my mom told me, she tells me, Brian, you're special. You were built differently. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that sweet? I know what that means. (laughs) If you end it with a bless your heart, it just sounds so much better. So let me say this to you, church. Bless your heart, wink, wink, you were not built for it. The burdens you most likely are carrying right now, bless your heart, you were not built for it. There are some burdens you were not meant to carry. There were some pressures you were not intended to be under because you weren't built for it. You weren't built for it. No wonder it's crushing you. We weren't made to carry certain burdens. We weren't intended to be under certain pressures. So here's the question I want rattling around in your head this morning. What pressures am I currently under I have no business being under? What pressures am I currently under that I have no business being under? That one only you can answer. But I'm hoping as we go through a scripture this morning, a story, you'll begin to get some clarity on Am I carrying burdens I wasn't meant to carry? Go back to what Jesus said in Matthew 11. Come to me all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. Let me give you rest. My prayer is by the end of our morning, you've at least identified, if not been able to let go of some of those burdens you were not intended to carry. The pressures that you were not intended to be under. 
So to help us with that, we're gonna look at a great example, Jesus. He tends to be a fantastic example on just about everything. So John chapter six, if you have your Bibles, head over to John six, and what you're gonna see is you're gonna see Jesus dealing with pressures that you and I deal with. You're gonna see Jesus dealing with people that throw on expectations and burdens that people try to throw on you and me as well. So as we go through this story, and you got that question rattling around in your head, what pressures am I under that I shouldn't be under? I want you to be looking for how Jesus is dealing with that. What pressures is Jesus getting thrown underneath? What burdens is being thrown at Jesus? What expectations are being thrown at Jesus? And then we're gonna see how he actually handles it. So that's what I want you to look for as we're going through this story. John 6, just to give you a little context, he's early on, Jesus is early on in his ministry, and right up until this point, he has nothing but raving fans. He's done miracles, he's done healings, he just finished, if you read along in John 6, the very beginning, he just finished feeding the 5,000. So people are thrilled with all these great things that Jesus is doing, and his reputation is growing in such a positive way. He walks on water just prior to what we're going to read. Now, you got to understand why he did that, or part of why is to get away from the crowd. Like I said, he's doing all these great things. His reputation is growing. People are crowding around him. He just fed over 5,000 people. Jesus needed to get away. So he sends his disciples to the other side of the lake. Jesus says, I'll catch up with you. Walks on water to catch up with him. Cool moment, read about it. And then he gets to the other side of the lake. And here's where we're gonna pick it up. Remember what you're looking for. Pay attention to the burdens and pressures people are putting on Jesus. Here's where we'll pick it up. John chapter six, starting in verse 25. When they, that's the crowd of people, that's the followers that have been day after day following Jesus around, they just got fed the day before. When they found Jesus on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Parents, you can identify with Jesus in this moment. This is one of those, where'd you go? Where are you? In our house, it's daddy, dad, dad, daddy, daddy, mommy, mommy, mommy. And you're like, I just went to the bathroom. I'm right here, I'll be right back. I needed a break. That's what Jesus is saying. And these people are like, where'd you go? Jesus, Jesus, Rabbi, Rabbi, where are you? Oh, we didn't know, when did you get here? We've been looking for you. You fed us dinner yesterday, we're ready for breakfast. Where are you? Look at Jesus' response to them, verse 26. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you're gonna see that phrase a couple more times. Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because of the signs you saw that I performed, but look, because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus is like, I know why you're here. You're just hungry again. You just want food. I just fed you loaves and fish and, and here it is the next day and you're wanting loaves and fish. Maybe something different since it's breakfast time, but you're still wanting something else. They're wanting something from Jesus. They're saying, Jesus, I need something from you. Jesus, I want you to, to feed me again. And Jesus is starting to explain, okay, I think we might have a misunderstanding of why I'm here. There might be a misunderstanding as to who you think I am and what my purpose is. So Jesus begins to explain. Let me paraphrase the next few verses. He says, I came from God. I'm the son of man. I came to not just feed your stomachs, but to feed your soul. The food I'm giving you, and he starts to use that idea of food. It's a metaphor. He says, the spiritual food I'm gonna give you doesn't just have anything to do with your stomach. No, it's, it's about eternity. I'm here to save your souls, not just feed you another meal. So he starts to help them understand who he is. Here's how the crowd responded to that. They came looking for breakfast, Jesus started to explain who he truly is. 
Verse 30, here's the crowd's response. So they asked Jesus, well, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? If you're taking notes, underline that phrase. What will you do? Prove it, Jesus. How do we know you are who you say you are? Prove it. What signs are you going to show us to prove that you are this son of God? They go on, verse 31. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. If you remember Old Testament, Moses and manna, he had food literally rain down from heaven. So our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he, that's talking about Moses, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Do you hear the tone in their voice, the crowd's voice here of, okay, Jesus, so you're not going to feed us breakfast. Okay. Well, how do we know you are who you say you are? Because Moses, sounds like comparison to me, Moses, he had bread fall from heaven called manna. What are you going to do for us? Remember that phrase? What was it? What will you do? Jesus, what are you going to do for me now? What are you going to What are you going to do to show that you are who you say you are? Our ancestors got food from heaven, so what do we get, Jesus? Moses could do this. Jesus, what can you do? Do you hear that pressure? Are you like Moses? Jesus goes on. Let me paraphrase the next part. Jesus says, I'm not Moses. I sent Moses. You're still caught up on this whole food thing. I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about your salvation. We're talking about eternity, not dinner plans. Understand who I am. And he reiterates, I am the son of God. I'm the Messiah your ancestors were waiting for. I'm the Messiah that your ancestors were praying for. And I'm standing right in front of you. You're missing it. Jesus goes on to say this in verse 35. Jesus declared, no longer explained or said. I mean, we're getting, Jesus is full of truth and grace. You're going to start to see more truth as we go through this. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Again, he's using that as an illustration, almost a parable to say, here's who I am and here's how it impacts your eternity. We're not just talking physical food and you being hungry anymore. We're talking about your need for me for all of eternity. He goes on to, you can even read through it. He goes on and on and on explaining, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Look at how the crowd responds and then we're going to talk about it. Verse 41. At this, the Jews there, the crowd there began to grumble. What's it sound like to grumble? Give me some grumbling. You're actually really good at grumbling. Maybe too good. That's another sermon. Anyway, (laughs) they began to grumble about Jesus because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? You hear the third expectation? Well, that's not who we thought he was. He says his father's God and he came from heaven. No, we know where he came from. We know his mother, Mary. We know his father, Joseph. Who's he to say that? That's not who we think he is. That's not who we expected him to be. You're hearing the pressures and the burdens there. So we have this interesting kind of three-part segment of people wanting something from Jesus. Give me this. Give me this. Feed me, Jesus. Jesus says, that's not what I'm here for. Okay, well then prove it. Prove that you are who you say you are because Moses was like this and our ancestors got that. So who are you and what are you going to do? She says, you're missing it. 
you got to believe in me. I'm the bread of life. You have to believe in me. Well, what do you mean believe in you? You're not who you say you are. I mean, we, we saw you grow up. That's not who we expect you to be. Expectations, approvals, opinions, all these things they're throwing on Jesus. And Jesus is at a very crucial moment. He has a decision to make. He could easily cave under this pressure and say, you're right, my bad, we had a misunderstanding. Sure, what would you like for breakfast and dinner? I'll be your every caterer. I'll serve you any way that I possibly can. I'll walk around with you and make sure you have all your meals. What else can I do for you? I don't want to offend you. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to step on your toes. I'm sorry if we had a misunderstanding. Or he could say, no, you're still not getting it. Here's what I'm here for. Here's who I am. See, oftentimes when we get in that spot where those pressures and those burdens get thrown our way by other people, those external pressures and expectations, we are afraid to push back on them because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, do we? We don't want somebody to walk away. Well, we want to save the relationship and we don't want to offend somebody. We don't want to fill in the blank. So all those things that people expect of us, we start to cater to. We start piling on the burdens and we pile on the pressure because we don't want to We don't want to say, well, this is what I'm actually here for. I have to say no to that. So Jesus is at a very crucial point. What decision is he going to make? Like I said, truth and grace, maybe a little bit more truth on this time. Verse 47. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. In other words, you want to talk about ancestors? You really want to compare you and your ancestors? Let's talk about it. Moses gave them food, but they still died. I'm talking about food that will give you lasting eternal life if you really want to compare. I'm the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which people may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Then he says something interesting. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Turned a corner, didn't it? Jesus didn't back down, he doubled down. He says, no, no, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread of life. In fact, if you eat my flesh, you'll have life. And what? Jesus, it got weird. It was great when we were eating fish and loaves of bread, and it was cool seeing you do miracles, and now we're talking about eating people. Jesus, what happened from that side of the lake to this side of the lake? What happened on that boat ride? I think the boat left without you, Jesus. What's happening Now, we know on this side of the story, we know he's referring to the cross, that it would take his flesh on the cross, it would take his blood being spilled on the cross to save us from our sins for all of eternity. And he's trying to get these people to understand, I'm not here to meet your every need the way that you expect. I'm here to save you in, in the most eternal way possible. It's a hard thing to say, though, isn't it? So here's what happens next. So after Jesus makes that declaration and makes it unbelievably clear, he says, you've got to be with me. Now, let me give you just a little bit more clarity so there's not any confusion here. When he says, and if you keep reading, he'll say, you have to eat my flesh, you have to drink my blood. That's not a literal thing. Again, he's still talking in that parable, in that illustration, saying, here's what it's going to cost me And in order for you to receive that, you have to believe in me. You have to stay with me. So he's not talking literally, you know, chew on my finger here. We all clear on that? All right, just making sure. 
Here's their response. Verse 60. On hearing it, that whole eat my flesh and drink my blood, I'm the bread of life thing. On hearing that, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling, we hear that again, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Did I say something that didn't line up with your expectations or anticipations of me? Am I not meeting your every need the way that you thought I would meet your every need? Am I not who you thought I would be? Have I not lined up? Have I not accepted your pressures and your burdens, in other words? A few verses later, verse 66. From this time, many, and I would emphasize the word many, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Verse 67. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. I'm going to give you my opinion on something, and I need to stress that it's my opinion because it's not in Scripture, so please separate the two for the next two minutes. My opinion, my belief, is that outside of the cross, what Jesus experienced on the cross, outside of the cross, I believe this is his most difficult and saddest moment, his ministry on earth. And here's why I think that. Everything that Jesus came for us, to save us, he's trying to explain it. He's trying to help people see who he is. Not who they think he is, but who he is. He says, here's why I'm here. Here's my purpose. I came for you. And it's going to cost me everything. And as he explains his true purpose for being here, Many of his disciples, not opposers, many of his followers said, I'd rather have just loaves and fish. I'm out. Many of his followers, when they recognized that this Jesus, Messiah, Son of God, didn't line up to their expectations and anticipations, they said, we'll go somewhere else. So Jesus looks at his 12 closest and says, how about you? Everybody else is leaving. Are you next? Keep reading to see their response. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible in a good way. There are some burdens we were not built for. There are some pressures we have no business being under. And Jesus gives us such a wonderful example to follow. To say, here's who I am. Here's what I'm called to do. And it's not to please every single person that has an expectation, opinion of me. Now, I need to point out the reality here of Jesus said no to some burdens and pressures and a lot of people said no to Jesus at that moment. Go back to us for a second. We don't like to say no to people because we don't want them say, to say no to us. We, we don't want to hurt relationships and friendships, and I don't want people to think this and that of me. People-pleasing is what that's called. And it's a burden you were not intended to carry. It's a pressure that you should not be under. But it's difficult, because when we do that, guess what happens? There is a very real possibility that they say, well, then this isn't worth it. This relationship isn't worth it to me. So I get it. I get it. it's, it's difficult. 
But the choice is either being crushed by all the external pressures and burdens and expectations of others, or it's finding that freedom that we're going to see here in just a second. So here's what I would pull out of this. Here's, here's my two things that I'm noticing. And it has to do with opinions and approvals. See, Jesus was getting both of those thrown at him, and he had to step away from both of those, didn't he? Understand, living under the opinions of others is overwhelming. Everybody has an opinion, and yes, everybody is right to their opinion. No problem with that. Let me tell you this, though. You have the right to ignore that opinion, too. (laughs) Don't subject yourself to those opinions dictating every moment of your life. It will crush you. It will be heavy burdened and weary in no time. It will be overwhelming. Let's talk about approvals. Living up to the approvals of others is absolutely exhausting. If everybody has their expectation of you and everybody has their wish list from you and everybody wants this from you and everybody's expecting this from you, there's no way you can do that well. You are going to be exhausted. You are going to wear yourselves out. Some of you are right there now, aren't you? Fitting for the holidays, isn't it? It's already begun. <laughs> well, this aunt's expecting this to happen, and grandma's expecting this to happen, and my kids are expecting this, and somewhere I'm in there. Now, I'm not saying don't be a jerk, right? I'm not, it's not like, oh, I don't have to care what anybody else thinks. The fruit of the Spirit still apply. If you don't know them, go back and read them and memorize them. So it's not a permission, oh, I don't have to please anybody. Pastor said, that's what the Bible said, Jesus said. No, 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 no. Don't be a jerk. Fruit of the Spirit apply, but I'm saying don't take on those burdens and those pressures. Does that make sense? You don't have to live up to the approvals and the expectations of everyone. You don't have to live underneath those opinions of everyone. Paul said it very bluntly and plainly. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, here's what Paul says. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? My goodness, if there is a great question for you to take home today, there it is. Am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God Almighty? You can't do both well. He goes on, or am I just trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, notice still trying. In other words, there's that season of your life where you feel like that's you. There has to be a change. If I were still trying to please people, look, I would not be a servant of Christ. You cannot do both well. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I cannot serve everybody all the time and serve Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. So you gotta make a decision. And if I can, let me help you understand what that means. Let me put this like right smack in your laps. Instead of trying to live up to opinions and expectations and approvals to everybody else, what if you lived your life saying, no, no, no. I will live under the approval and the authority of Jesus alone. How different would your life look? Now, sure, listen to opinions and get some feedback and and take care of people. We're called to love God and love people. I get that, so don't miss it. But I'm not under the pressure of anybody else other than Jesus, my King and my Lord, and I'll follow him and his, I'm seeking his approval. I wanna please him first. Then we'll let things fall as they may. So it begins to look a little bit like this. To move from crushing, overwhelming, heavy burdened pressure to room to breathe to room to move following Jesus I'm not trying to paint a pretty picture where it's always easy 
But he said it's more doable. He says his load's a lot lighter. His burden is easily carried. He's gentle at heart. So when we allow ourselves to be under his authority and under his pressure and under his burdens of following him, this is where we find freedom. This is where we find life and peace and joy and hope. You got to have some pressure or else you just go with the wind. Too much pressure will crush you. So come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. And not just rest. He says, I'll take you. I'll move with you. I'll stay with you. I will help you. You'll become the man of God I desired you to be. You'll become the woman of God I desired you to be. You'll become the child of God that I desired you to be. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul's writing to this early church and he says something very interesting because he wants to make sure that there's clarity. Verse 8, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we have experienced in the province of Asia. In other words, following Jesus still is hard. We were under great, what's the word? Pressure. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But, look at this, gives you a different perspective. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. When we follow under his authority, we take on the burdens we are intended to carry and stay under the pressures we were intended to be under, it's still difficult. But it causes us to rely on him more than us. Who do we rely on? <laughs> the one who raises the dead. So I hope you've been able to get some clarity maybe on that question. What am I currently under that I have no business being under? What burdens am I carrying that I was not built for? Let me throw one more question at you. This is by an author, Gene Edwards. In one of his books, in the very beginning of one of his books, he asked this question. Will you follow a God that does not live up to your expectations? I cannot answer that for you. I've made my decision. Have you made yours? Will you follow Jesus even when he does not meet up to your expectations? Will you fall under his authority Come to him, all who are weary and burdened. Live under the pressures that only he gives you. Take on the burdens that only he gives you. And you will find rest. In this next moment, we're going to take communion together. That whole eat my flesh, drink my blood, here's the tie-in for you. The cracker represents Jesus' body that was broken for us on the cross. The juice represents his blood that was poured out on the cross for us. That had to happen for us to experience that life and peace and joy and hope that we now cling to as believers. We have to have it. So yes, he is the bread of life. And he has not come just to make sure that you are physically fed. He came to make sure that you are with him for all of eternity. So in this moment of communion, I'm gonna pray. And I would ask you that you would spend just a moment 
remembering who Jesus is. Not who we expect him to be, not who we hope he will be, not who we've heard that he is, but we would focus on that he came for one purpose, to save you and me by dying on the cross. He proved that he is who he says he is by coming back to life. May we remember who he is. And in the quietness of the moment, allow him to speak into your life. What burdens do you need to let go of? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are and why you came, that your purpose is unbelievably clear in our lives. First and foremost, to forgive us our sins and reconcile our relationship with you. Jesus, we, we are sorry for turning our relationship into something that it was not intended to be. And yes, you are friend. And yes, you are father. You are all things to us. But may we never forget, first and foremost, you are savior to us. You are Lord and king to us. So thank you for your sacrifice on the cross that takes our sins away. Thank you for being who we need, not necessarily who we want. Thank you for being our hope. In Jesus' name, amen.